Well, thank you, worship team and worship choir, for leading us this morning in singing. You guys sounded beautiful once again. You all did. Well, if you didn't grab a bulletin on your way in, we want to remind you that in our lobbies, we have two kiosks where bulletins are located. Inside of that bulletin, you will see a list of needs. We have a lot of needs in our children's ministry area right now, as well as upcoming events and things that you can get involved in. And so we want to make sure that you know about those things. So grab a bulletin on your way in or on your way out each and every week. And inside of that bulletin, you'll also see our printed prayer list. And so we want to make sure that we are continuing to make prayer a priority in our lives on a daily basis. And so throughout the week, we want to encourage you to be praying for those on our prayer list. We want to add one name this morning. Her name is Nancy Howard Brown, and she has a foot infection, very serious. And so be praying for Nancy. Add her to your list as you pray for others. Also, if you uh, have been here the last couple of weeks, you know that we are on the tail end of our 21-day prayer focus for our One campaign. And so many of you have this prayer guide, this 21-day prayer guide in your Bibles, on your desk, in your car, wherever you pray. Hopefully this is where it is where you pray. And there's been a 21-day focused prayer uh, guide. And so it's to guide you as you pray for your One. And next week is Easter Sunday, and as we uh, talked about a few weeks ago, the focus of this whole, this whole prayer focus is for you to be praying for your one, to be having gospel conversations with your one, and then invite them and bring them with you to our Easter services next Sunday. And I have talked to several of you already and you have already invited and have already confirmed that your one is attending with you next Sunday and so that is super exciting to me and so I'll ask the rest of you have you been praying for your one have you had any gospel conversations with them yet and have you invited them to attend with you on Easter Sunday and I hope that you will I hope that you will take that time to invite them I believe God is doing big things in our church and I believe that he is going to continue to do big things when we stay committed and are faithful to the things that he has called us to be faithful to. So, if you have your Bible, would you make your way to Romans chapter 5? We're starting a brand new series this morning. A group of sermons is what a series is called Dead or Alive. And this series is specifically going to come from Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6 over the next five weeks and so if you like to read along with the sermon series, you like to stay up to date on where we are or where, we go, where we're going, you can read those two chapters and you'll stay in the know on what's happening as far as the teaching goes on a week-to-week basis. This series is going to connect really well with our theme for 2021, which is Abide, Living Connected to the Vine. And we can only live connected to the vine if we belong to Jesus. And that's what this whole series really is about. And so if you have your place there in Romans 5, we're going to read beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. 
Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. When you hear the word judgment... What comes to your mind this morning? And you can even write that question down. What comes to my mind when I hear the word judgment? And most of us would think maybe in the same lane. I think we all would be in the same lane at some point where we think about this feeling of being judged by others. Where you feel judged for something that you've said or something that you've done or something that people perceive about you. Maybe it's their condemning attitude toward you for some arbitrary reason. Maybe that's what comes to mind when you hear the word judgment. But the judgment that we're talking about here in, in, in the New Testament specifically, or when it comes to the idea of reconciliation or restoration, or when we talk about it through the lens of the gospel, we're, it's a little different than how we may define it often in our culture. It's a concept, this this issue of judgment is a concept of being held responsible for a specific action. It has to deal with a personal responsibility that we have. And we see this explained, if you want to do a little research on this, from Romans chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through Romans chapter 3, I think, verse 20. You'll see this played out, this issue of, of judgment and why there is judgment. That God will judge sin, and he will judge the sinner. What do we deserve as sinners? We deserve judgment. We deserve death, and we deserve eternal punishment in a place called hell. We can find ourselves right there in Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, even 4, and right here in Romans chapter 5. Some of you can find yourself currently in Romans chapter 5. That we are all sinners, and we all deserve death and judgment for those sins. But as we read this morning, and as we have declared so, so profoundly this morning through the songs that we have been singing together, this God who is rich in mercy has shown us great undeserved kindness through the gospel. That all of this rightful judgment against us, it serves the purpose of highlighting a very great need in our hearts. It highlights our lack of peace. 
that we cannot have peace in this lifetime because we have a great debt that needs to be paid. And what Jesus came to do, and what I'm so thankful that he came to do, was bring us peace instead of judgment. Everyone has the opportunity to take advantage of that offer today. So we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But a little brief history. This Sunday is Palm Sunday. And if you know the story of Palm Sunday, you see it in Matthew chapter 21. You'll, you'll see the clearest example of it in Matthew 21. Don't turn there. Write it down if you want to do a little history. But Jesus enters the city of Jerusalem and he causes a scene. He causes an uprising, a riot, if you want to call it that. He entered with excitement and people were expecting something significant to happen when he came to Jerusalem. And rightly so. They thought that Jesus was going to bring peace, and that he was going to bring power, and that he was going to bring prominence. Even the palm branches that you see recorded in Matthew, they threw on the ground, they were symbols of Jewish nationalism. They expected political reform. They expected, uh, they expected freedoms that would come with it. The disciples thought Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to rule and reign as their new king. Now, he is a king, but he had a different plan in mind. Now, you may hear the story of, of you may hear that explained, and you may think, what idiots. The disciples, these people, why would they get that so wrong? But I would caution you because I think if we could, if we could just roll up the history books, and Jesus were to roll into Worcester on a Colt or a Harley-Davidson, whatever he'd ride, I don't know, we would probably respond the same way. Just think about your attitude towards so many things that are happening right now, and if Jesus was all the things that you expected him to be, he was coming to fix all of that and make your life better here on earth to bring a different kind of peace. But we don't want to be too hard on the people of the nation of Israel and the Jewish people specifically because their life was not a, a walk in the park. They were being oppressed. They were being persecuted. They were suffering. They had to deal with unbearable taxation. They did not have it easy. And so they were looking for something significant to happen. But Jesus actually came to town to do something entirely different. The first thing that he came to town to do was to do the will of his father. If you know when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is arrested, he prays that, that not his will be done, but the will of the father be done. And the will of the father was for him to come and give his life as a ransom and a sacrifice and to bring people peace. To die and bring peace to dead souls. To those who deserved judgment what they didn't realize was he came for something much better than they expected he came to make them his we have so many things when we are his if you belong to jesus today through faith if you have been saved we have so many things look back at verse one therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through 
our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace. For the sinner who has been saved today, we have been justified. We now have peace with the one God who will pour out his wrath and his judgment on this predicament of sin. On this problem of sin. This is this process and what we see here playing out in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5 is what is commonly called the doctrine of justification. That God's gracious gift to us after salvation now puts us in a position of righteousness and not condemnation. That's good news. That's a good reminder. If Paul could have a title today and if he was working in the business world, he would be the CRO, the chief reminding officer. He does this so often in his writings. You see it all throughout the uh, Romans. You see it in several of the letters that are written to the churches. This, this process of reminding the church what they have because of Jesus. And so maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I know what justification is. I've heard it a thousand times. Do you remember what justification is when you need it most? And so I hope to remind you this morning of some principles that we can't bear forgetting. We have peace. But we can only be justified by calling on the name of Jesus to save us by faith. And when we are saved, it's almost as if Jesus says and he declares to us that, that we have never sinned. He makes us white as snow. We have peace with God and we are promised new life and then we walk as new people in that new life. But that can't be earned. It can't be earned through good deeds. Once again, Paul is like a broken record. And he says in Galatians chapter 2, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, we too have put our faith in him that we may be justified by that faith, and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You see, the Jews thought that the law was needed for salvation, but things had changed. Jesus had started something new. He had fulfilled something significant. But I want you to know that this is not a promise of no pain. This process of living and walking in peace, it does not mean that we will not have difficult seasons and hardships. Peace with God is the best peace, but it doesn't translate into an easy life. You may not always feel calm inside. You may not always feel secure. You may not always feel like everything is going the way you've always dreamed that they would go. Stillness may not define the position of your heart. This piece means that we have been reconciled. That our broken relationship with the creator of the universe has now been restored. That the wrath of God will no longer be poured out on you. That the wrath of God will no longer be poured out on me. We are now safe and secure in him. No sin can stand between you and God. That is pretty important. That this relationship cannot be broken. That he is with you. He is with us. And he brings peace. 
that when Jesus died on the cross, he took your sin and he paid for it completely. And that brings us comfort and that brings us joy and that brings life. But it brings us peace. Now Paul's going to highlight the benefits of being made new. Verse 2, he says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a glorious hope. Our hope is not in status. Our hope is not in what people think of us. Your hope is not in the money that's in the bank or the money that you make or you hope to one day make. Your hope is not in the stuff that you have. It's not even in the dreams that you have. Our hope is different. It is out of this world, and Paul refers to this hope so many times in the book of Romans that we hope for something so much better than we could even imagine. Something that is out of this world, and it really is out of this world. Verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We will have strength to suffer. Because we are His, we are saved, we will, we will suffer, but when we suffer, we can endure it. When we encounter things like the death of a loved one, when we think about our own mortality, we can, we can have strength to suffer. When we think about sickness and cancer and disease, we have a glorious hope that we can suffer through those things. When we are persecuted for our faith, when we are persecuted, persecuted for standing on the truth of God's word, we can suffer. Now, that doesn't sound like good news. But suffering produces good fruit in us. We studied this in John chapter 15. If you were here back in January, Pastor Cedric even referenced it last Sunday. When Jesus said the words in John 15 to the disciples, they were on the eve of some pretty intense suffering. And their life was not a cakewalk, but they knew the hope that was awaiting them. They knew that they would be taken care of. Paul would write in Romans 8, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Go back to Romans 5, verse 5 with me, and it says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We have his Spirit. Is this hope that Paul is referring to, is it a risk for us? Not a bit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us by our good and generous God. He has poured his love into our hearts. And his spirit is with us forever. In John 14, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. When you are saved, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart, and he never leaves you. 
He is always with you. He is with you forever. His Spirit will teach you. He will teach us what we need to know. John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The disciples didn't know what that meant at the time. But later they would, they would find out. That this Holy Spirit was going to move into them. You see it take place in the book of Acts. The, the Holy Spirit descends on the apostles and they are filled with His Spirit. And He reminds them of all the things that He had been teaching them. And the same goes for us. Ephesians 3 says that when we are saved, Jesus takes up residence in our hearts. And he reminds us. The Spirit reminds us of the Word and what the Word says. The Spirit convicts us of sin. The Spirit will teach us what we need to know when we're sharing the gospel with our one. When we're having a gospel conversation with a stranger. When we're thinking about a decision that we need to make. The Spirit will teach us what we need to know. And that hope from the Spirit is all that we need. Romans 15 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough in the church. We forget so often the Spirit's working in our hearts and in our lives, and in our church, and in the world around us. And this point is similar to one I've already made, but we are never without him. Psalm 139 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. He's always there. He's always with you. And the last thing that I want to highlight about the Spirit is there is freedom in Him. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Once again, Paul is connecting the dots here back to this issue of the law and legalism. That you can't, you'll never feel free. You'll never feel Hopeful if you don't rest in the peace that God brings through his son, Jesus Christ. There's freedom in him. He did more for us than we could ever deserve. If you remember, we actually deserve death and judgment. But I want you to read with me this last section of our verses again, where Paul declares again what we have in Christ, starting at verse 6. He says, for while we were still weak, at the right Time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For, while, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We have God's love. And that is enough. 
Listen, if you will come, if God will come to us through the person of Jesus Christ and give his life for us while we're still sinners, can you imagine how much he will do for those who are his children? He loves sinners, or he wouldn't have come to this earth and given his life. He wouldn't have died on the cross, but he loves those who are children to an even different degree. And his love for us is unending. It doesn't end. This love that God has for us is constant. It is stable. It, does not, it, is, not, it is not blown away by every feeling that, that we have. It stays strong. It stays secure. You see, the real reason Jesus came was much better than anyone had expected. And I think we would feel the same way if we were standing in Jerusalem when Jesus came in on that colt. We would probably have the same position. God, what can you do for me today? Can you make my life better than it is? And we would filter that better through the things that we want in this temporal life. God, can you help me not get sick? God, can you put more money in the bank? God, can you please fix that broken down old car? Can you please make this job situation better? Can you please help my kids not be dumb? Can you please, can you please do this, this, and this? We would probably all have those same feelings. And we would miss our greatest need. And our greatest need is we are sinners, and we are bound for an eternity separated from God forever. But God, who is rich in mercy, who is so kind and so good, he takes care of it. And he says you can be free, and you can live, and you can abide in my love. What good news. Romans 8, 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all the things that we need? Everything that we need, he has already given us. He's given us peace with God. He's given us hope beyond this life. He's given us heaven as a promise. And life abundantly here today. Flip ahead a few pages to Romans 8. I want you to read this with me. Romans 8. Verses 15, 16, and 17. Paul writes, The spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We have so much to praise him for. So back to that piece that we read about earlier. 
Do you have peace? And this question can be answered by two groups in the room today, the Christian and the non-Christian. As a Christ follower, are you seeking peace from some other source? Are you striving for peace in your relationships or in all the stuff that I've already talked about, money and status and stuff and dreams? Or have you truly come face to face with the fact that you can only have peace through God? That He alone brings you peace. And if you're here this morning and you're in that second group, you're not a Christian. You're not living in peace. And you can only be at peace if you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ today. If you recognize that you are a sinner that has been separated from God, that, that, that your sin separates you from Him, and that no matter what you try to do, no matter what you have, you're never good enough on your own. But that paying the price for sin, Jesus Christ came and He lived a life you couldn't even come close to. And He paid this debt that you owe. This debt of death that we all owe. He paid that debt. And he offers you life. And so maybe here and you have never called on Jesus to save you. Paul will write later in Romans 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. And you can call on his name to save you. And this spirit of God that we've been talking about that may have freaked you out will move inside of you, change you, and make you different. And give you a different perspective. And rewrite the purpose of your life. You see, the real reason Jesus came was much better than anyone expected. We have peace. We have a glorious hope. We have strength to suffer. We have his spirit we have his love. What else could we ever need? Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for the person of Jesus Christ. We are thankful for the hope that he brings to sinners. So God, as we approach this Easter season in our culture, help us through your spirit to remember what you've done for us. That you have brought us the peace that we need. That although we will suffer and we will, we will encounter very difficult seasons, we don't suffer alone. You've given us your spirit and that you're with us and you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us, that you will teach us what we need to know in those seasons of life that we just don't understand. And that you'll equip us to do the things that you've called us to do. That you will remind us of who you are through your word. So God, as your people, help us to remember who we are, whose we are, and what we have in you. 
God, if there's anyone in this room today that is separated from you because of their sin, they are under judgment. They are, they are headed for an eternity where you are going to pour out your wrath on their sin. But they've heard today that they can have peace with you through the person of Jesus Christ, and they can call on you to save them. God, I pray that today they would not delay in making a decision to follow you and to trust you. God, you have brought us peace, and you have brought us hope. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Amen.